time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646 716 4972. Now, here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. It is Monday, September 22nd, 2020. So glad to have you here with us. Again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're grateful to have you as our listener. Our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. So excited. We've got joining us today, our guest, Michael Jones, who's CFO of Thrive Mortgage. He is currently the chairman of the CMLA, Community Mortgage Lenders of America. He is also a telescope enthusiast, something Andy and Shell and I have in common. And so it's always fun to talk about that. He also wrote a book called Reset, and it's a great book that he wrote some time ago. And uh, take a look at the link in the show notes. We had him as a guest in April 16, 2018. And uh, so good to have Michael Jones joining us a little bit later in the podcast. We are thrilled to be a part of the Industry Syndicate. Check out industrysyndicate.com. Also a part of mortgagemedia.com. Be sure to check out both of these great websites. And we're thrilled to have us be members of them and cross-promoting each other's podcasts. There's so much out there when it comes to podcasts that you can listen to. Some great quality out there. And we're one of the few that are live. Everyone else seems to be doing the downloaded thing. And we're doing mostly live. And we're thrilled to be having that as a, as an option. So anyway, we're going to be doing more on the way of video as we get further into it. And But there's some complexity of how do we do this with both live streaming and adding video into the mix. So got to work through a little few more of the logistics, take a little longer than I want, partly because we're all so busy in this industry. Thank our sponsors. Again, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. Be sure to go back and listen to last week's podcast where Marina Walsh gave us um, the latest numbers from the MBA and earnings. They're very attractive, very strong and uh, strongest ever. So go listen to that. Also, Fednastra, Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution automatically addresses compliance issues. Great tool for enhancing borrower satisfaction and increasing productivity. We're all into increasing a little productivity. They've got some great solutions. Check it out at Fednastra.com. Also, Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative, both of these co-ops provide opportunities for you to network with other lenders and vendors and uh, create competitive advantages. Some exciting things going on both of them. Also, CMLA, we, we have as our guest today is a sponsor. Also, Indicom has solutions for every stage in the mortgage cycle. We had Linda on recently as a guest. Be sure to go back and listen to that podcast. That was about three weeks ago, I believe now. Incelerate is a company that helps lenders engage more effectively the borrowers and prospects and as well as past customers. I love the past customers. We're not very good at that as an industry. It's engaging past customers. So Incelerate does a great job of doing it. Also, Ainsworth Advisors. Let's check it out. AinsworthAdvisors.com. It is a website where you will see all of our advisors. It's a board of advisors service that I created this company some time ago. And more and more, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, Jenny Mae are saying, who is on your board as outside advisors? So check out that. We provide a solution to that need. Also, AI Assist. 
using artificial intelligence to reach borrowers and you can just connect with them in, in the most automated way. It's really wonderful. AI is becoming such a part of everything that's going on. So many podcasts and so many webinars coming up on that. Be sure to check it out. It's also Celebrity Home Loans and Innovian. Love what Innovian does. It's a business intelligence tool by Ted Kramer and his team. They do a great job of analyzing and looking at the market data, optimizing your mortgage executions on the secondary side, you gotta check that one out. Also, Knowledge Coop and Mobility RE, Modex, Velma, VendorServe, Vidyard. Check out all of these on our website. A special thank you goes out to Alice, Andy, Allen, and Matt for their contributions each and every week. Let's get over to the MBA Mortgage Minute with this week's update from Rob Van Raphorst. Rob? <laughs> Hi, I'm Rob Van Rappers. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Makers Association. Last week, the House Financial Services Committee held a hearing with FHFA Director Mark Calabria on the agency's response to the coronavirus pandemic. Director Calabria received bipartisan pushback regarding the imposition of a 50 basis point fee on GSE refinance loans. As a result of MBA advocacy, FHFA pushed the effective implementation date of the fee to December 1st, 2020. Members on the panel also probed Director Calabria on the regulator's recently proposed capital rule. Also, last Tuesday, MBA and several industry trade associations sent a letter to congressional leaders asking lawmakers to ensure that millions of Americans will continue to have access to flood insurance coverage through the National Flood Insurance Program. The NFIP's authorization is currently set to expire on September 30th, 2020, and the letter recommends that the program undergo several significant reforms designed to create long-term stability for policyholders. That's it for now. Thanks for joining me. Good job, Rob. A lot of good information there. <laughs> so I'm an avid podcast listener, Audible. I like consuming information. And you can select the rate at which you listen, whether it be YouTube videos, podcasts, or Audible, or a host of others. And you listen to it at an increased speed. You don't need to hurry. <laughs> increase the speed with Rob. He speaks at a rapid rate. And I love it. I relate to it, quite frankly. Rob? Great job. Appreciate the partnership with the NBA. Be sure to sign up for Mortgage Action Alliance while you're at their website or use your Play Store on your Android device or the App Store on your Apple devices to download that allows you to respond from your cell phone. Good to see so many people dialing in. We got a lot of people dialing in with their cell phones. Good to have Les Parker here with the TM Spotlight and this week's Macro View of the Markets. Les? TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by PowerSeller, making hedging easy. What does debt matter to you when you've got a job to do, but you don't do it well? Fed's got to give the poor zombies help. Few policymakers say, let firms go bankrupt. Yet their support with zombie-friendly rates interfere with the emergence of more productive competitors. The Fed sees no inflation above 2% for three years, largely due to excess debt. So, global central bankers continue to feed 20-30% to of companies that can't make enough profits to cover debt payments. Zombie companies drag on world resources and keep finding money to devour worthlessly. No life, just debt. Or is it living death? Live and let die. These views are my own. Go to tmspotlight.com to subscribe to my daily newsletter. Yeah, good job, Les. I love how he and Gary Ketcher both 
collaborate on that segment. Such good stuff. By the way, sign up for Les Parker's newsletter. It's free to those of you who are listening to this podcast. And you can go to tmspotlight.com. Kind of clever how Les mixed in because he also consults with us at Transformational Mortgage Solutions or TMS. So anyway, clever how he did that. Les Parker's newsletter. Get it. Check it out. You will not be disappointed. And by the way, Les Parker said that the sponsor that he has, which is Power Seller, wants me to give full version of the sign up of a newsletter. And if you put in the code word power, the paid version at no cost. So good job, Les. Right, let's hear from Matt's report on what's going on in the markets. Matt. This is Matt Graham with MBS Live Market Update. So recall last week we talked about the Federal Reserve, the new policy announcement being the big to-do coming up in the previous week. And even before that, we talked about how the Fed seemed to be laying the groundwork to say something new and different in this announcement. How did they do that? Specifically, at the end of August, we had two big events. They both happened on the same day. One was on the calendar. The other was unexpected. The calendar event was Jerome Powell's Jackson Hole speech, although it didn't occur in Jackson Hole this year due to COVID. It was delivered virtually. And the news media and analysts expected Powell to say something about the update to the Fed's inflation framework. That's basically their playbook that they use to justify and guide monetary policy decisions. And forever, seemingly, it has been 2%. In other words, the Fed is wanting inflation to stay stably at 2%, and they believe that will be or that will yield the best combination of price stability and economic growth. But they feel also that they learned a few lessons in the past, I don't know, decade about how inflation has responded to inputs in monetary policy and unprecedented economic conditions following the financial crisis, as well as how the uh, economy responds to changes in monetary policy with ongoing Fed bond buying and have determined that they probably could have let inflation run a little bit hotter than they had. They also think that by not doing that, they may have shortchanged the economic recovery or price stability, and that has trickle-down effects, especially for those in a lower socioeconomic demographic, something they've been increasingly concerned about in recent years. So with COVID impacting that demographic, the Fed has made this shift, and they think that by letting inflation run hot, as high as maybe 2.5%, that they can offset the time that it was below 2%, and that it can average 2% over time. That much we basically took away from the updated inflation framework. Uh, even the anticipation for it, all of those details were pretty well understood. Indeed, that's what Powell came out and talked about. But on the same day, that also updated its official policy document, updating the framework. And uh, that was unexpected. And it made markets really wonder, why didn't they do this at the Fed meeting that was coming up two and a half weeks later, aka last week's meeting? And the speculation included things like the Fed wants to unveil bigger stimulus or do something more interesting, more potent, and uh, they are afraid that if they had just done that outright without the preface from the updated policy framework, that it might shock markets or might cause undue market volatility. Even for my own purposes or from my own standpoint, I felt like it was pretty much a given that the Fed was going to say something interesting last week. And as it turns out, they really didn't. They threaded the needle uh, between 
saying nothing and saying just barely enough to satisfy the market's expectations. They did indeed change their forward guidance to reference more strongly this new inflation framework, saying that they could let inflation run above 2% for a time in order to average out to 2% in the longer run. But what they didn't do is increase any bond buying or change the maturity profile of the bonds they're buying. And uh, that was a little bit of a letdown for the market. And we can see that in the response, both in stocks and bonds. Because remember, Fed stimulus is a rising tide that lifts both sides of the market. And uh, since then, stocks have continued to sell off, probably aided by a little bit of a technical overbought condition that existed before all this. And uh, that has benefited the bond market. Interestingly enough, the Fed also said that they would keep rates low or at zero, or they're forecasting that rates will remain at zero through the end of 2023. And that's as far out as their forecasts go right now. But there too, that was expected. Even more interestingly, their economic forecasts were upgraded somewhat significantly, uh, both in terms of the unemployment rate and GDP growth. Maybe that reflects what they feel their new policy changes will do, or maybe it just acknowledges some of the positive changes that have taken place with respect to the post-coronavirus economy since June, which is the last time they updated these forecasts. Either way, the takeaway was that the Fed didn't deliver on the market's expectation. And uh, that has, again, been a bigger deal for stocks. It may have been a big deal for bonds if stocks were actually not caring as much because what we're seeing is that the bond market seemed a bit predisposed to weaken, aka to move toward higher rates, but has taken some solace or has soaked up some of the dollars running for cover from people selling stocks. And that's really the biggest thing that I'll be watching in the week ahead to see what are bonds going to do if stocks manage to stage a bigger recovery. Are we simply locked in the same old sideways range that has dominated the bond market for months, or are we due for a breakout? Definitely watching the boundaries of that breakout. In terms of 10-year yields, that could be something as high as 0.79 or maybe a little bit lower at 0.73. And then on the lower end of the spectrum, the floors we're watching are more like 0.63 and 0.57. But until we break out of that range, really we're in a sideways grind, waiting to find out what happens with the economy and with the market as the coronavirus recovery continues. A lot of unknowns up in the air, and even the Fed will acknowledge that it all depends on how things go with the pushback against coronavirus. In terms of economic data, we had really nice home builder confidence last week. That was probably the highlight, record high. And then this week, we have more housing data coming down the pike. Kicks off tomorrow with existing home sales, expected to top $6 million in terms of annual pace. And uh, that would be stellar, to say the least. With us, as always, is the mortgage application numbers on Wednesday morning and new home sales on Thursday. In terms of scheduled events, not necessarily economic data, we do have treasury auctions this week. That can put a little bit of upward pressure on the bond market, on yields, until we get through that. But uh, so far this week, we seem to be in pretty decent shape, thanks again to the stock market losses. So if those go away, we might see things get interesting. And uh, if they don't get interesting after if they go away, in other words, if bonds don't sell off after stocks manage to stage a recovery, it would speak very strongly to the ongoing sideways momentum for interest rates. Yeah, good job. A lot of information in there. And I encourage you to check out the website, mbslive.net. Be sure to put in LOL and you will get 
access to the system at no cost for an extended period of time. So check it out. Good job. Appreciate it. Let's get over Alice Alvey. And we received her an update. It is pre-recorded today. Thanks, Dave. Hi, everyone. I just want to give you a few tidbits on FHA Mortgagee Letter 2020-30. This is a long one and a little complicated because it's addressing how to handle a borrower who has been in forbearance and now wants to either purchase with an FHA or refinance. And probably our biggest questions are coming in with refinances, right? I'm in an FHA. When am I eligible to maybe take advantage of these lower rates right now if my borrower has a slightly older loan and wants to uh, refinance. So we have a couple of buckets you've got to think about. There's no way in my report here that you can just go off of what I say. By the way, you need to read the mortgagee letter because it's got a lot of stuff in it uh, that are little caveats. So as always, you have to be careful for when you have to manually downgrade. Those mortgage rules for when manual downgrade applies all are still into effect. So I'm going to give you the ones that you need to know off the top of your head. For starters, if I want to cash out refinance FHA and I've been in forbearance, I need to have 12 consecutive payments post forbearance before I'm eligible. There's no such thing as using an FHA cash out as a bailout from having skipped payments in forbearance. That's really one of the biggest things you all have to take away. The second thing is if I'm purchased and no cash out refi, those need at least three consecutive payments that are made post forbearance. So those are the, the simpler ones. Your streamlines get a little more complicated as FHA is trying to make sure that they complicate or make it easier. <laughs> I said complicate, yeah. Sometimes you feel like they're trying to make it complicated. But in all cases, keep in mind, my borrower has to complete their forbearance plan on the subject property. What's good about getting into the simple refinances that they've made at least three consecutive payments within the month due since they've completed the forbearance plan. So that's really the main thing. When you get into your streamlines, now you've got to also be careful of your seasoning requirements and whether or not the borrower has made any late payments during the during their forbearance period. So you do need to make sure that you spend some time reading the mortgagee letter for when there's been late payments and there's a non-credit or credit qualifying streamlines. That gets a little nuanced. But for straight up, make sure you keep in mind, cash out refinances got to be done post forbearance, 12 payments on time, and purchase and no cash out. Your general rule is going to be at least three consecutive payments post forbearance. Take time to read that mortgagee letter so you've got it all down pat and maybe listen to your company guidelines as everyone tries to get to the bottom of this to be able to help out those borrowers coming out of forbearance. Thanks, Dave. Back to you. Thank you, Alice. So good. She just got that sent to us. She got pulled into a meeting, so she pulled that together so quickly. So anyway, good job, Alice. Thank you so much for sending that in. Alice Alvey, before we got on the podcast, she did dial in and I just let us know that she couldn't make it. But we were talking and it's one of the things I want to give a, a shout out to Union Home that does a spectacular job. We all know how competitive this market is, how everyone is stealing from someone else's company on underwriters and ops people that they need or virtually across the board, all the people they need. And what Union Home has done is they've done a great job of doing an intern program and drawing new entrants into the industry and their home going. So Alice, Alvin and I and Andy and our, our regulars were talking before when she dialed in and she said, I use this one. 
I said, it's like everyone else is stealing from someone else's garden. You guys are eating from your own. She says, yeah, the problem with stealing from someone else's garden, it always comes with weeds. So, yeah, so true. Grow your own people. Watch what Union Home does. They're leaders in the industry for a number of reasons. That's one of the reasons I'm a big fan of what uh, Bill Cosgrove, Alan, and Alice are doing there. Let's get over to our good friend, Alan Pollack. He's dialed in with an update on what's going on in the world of technology. What you got, friend? Good afternoon, Mr. Lickin. So many good things going on. There was the Digital Mortgage Conference last week, the virtual event. I actually wound up being on nonstop meetings, as we always say, back-to-back, and never made it. And what's funny is I, I haven't heard from enough people, David, about the conference and how many people did or didn't go. But prior to this conference, Every call I'm on, every few times a week, people are suggesting that conferences, one, people feel like one, paying too much money, and yeah. two, it's really not the same as an in-person conference, and it's a lot of networking is what you get in person. The vendor floors have been quiet the last mm-hmm. few conferences, and this, the virtual event is uh, it's different, and I, I'm not sure how many people do or don't like it. I think it'll take us some time to figure that out. But for those yeah. of you that did go to digital, if you have feedback and you want to share it with us, please do. You know how to reach us, alan at tms-advisors.com. It'd be great to hear your feedback. So a couple yeah. things in the news. The first one is TikTok. All of our kids, our nieces, our nephews. Dave, I bet you have a TikTok account where you're dancing and singing to, uh, to the tunes. It reminds me of how uncoordinated I am. Is every time I go try one of those dances, they make it look so simple. Yeah, Trump was very bullish on this. Right now, it looks like U.S. officials have expressed their concern. There's 100 million Americans that use the app. 100 million right. Americans. So there's going to be a new company now. It looks like it's probably going to pass. It's going to be called TikTok Global. As we know, it's ByteDance, China's ByteDance that owns TikTok. They'll be headquartered in the U.S., possibly Texas. Oracle will take a 12.5% stake in the new company, as well as, you ready for it, Walmart will take a 7.5%. Yep, and they've agreed to make 25,000 new jobs at this TikTok, which was initially 1,000. And um, Trump had initially called upon companies such as Oracle and Walmart to pay the United States a participate in the TikTok deal said they were going to also be 5 billion U.S. educational fund. Uh, very interesting to see how this thing closes up. But if you think about 100 million Americans, probably all very young Americans on TikTok, <laughs> it, it's just going to be crazy. So let's move into mortgage news, right? That's where things are really shaken up. By the way, mortgage tech firm DocuTech has become first American DocuTech. If you remember back in February, there was a $350 million acquisition. Uh, So that has now been finalized. There's a company called Volley. What caught my eye on Volley? One is they closed $11 million in a Series B growth equity round. And and to me, I think $11 million is hard to get. So I think that if you're a tech firm and you're in the mortgage space, what's that, David? It's almost because the amount of $11 million is too small. People want larger sums. So the invest private equity firms I talk to all want 25, 30 million. Yeah, 11 million goes fast, by the way. But anyways, what really caught my eye here is just because I was a co-founder of Nilex and Optimal Blue, one of the founders, the co-founders, Larry Huff, and we were always friendly fire, right? Anyways, Larry Huff is the executive chairman of Volley and Jerry Albrook, which we all know. <laughs> and so it caught my eye, $11 million, Series B. Remember, they do CRM automated marketing collateral, borrower journey, campaign management, portfolio retention, POS. They've got a lot of great technology. Their name's been in the news quite a bit. 
If it's some, something you're interested in hearing about because you like the folks that are in the organization or you've been looking at Volley, uh, go take a look. The Huff is back. Yeah, the Huff is back. So digital mortgage virtual, I mentioned it earlier, a couple quick points. One of them, and I got this from one article, I think one of them was at National Mortgage News or maybe another one, very interesting point. A uh, couple uh, things, more and more customers want the one-stop st- one shop. And that came from Blend, by the way. I, I agree with it 1 billion percent, especially from my time at Fiserv and dealing with the banks and credit unions uh, and online banking and that experience that financial institutions are looking for. Blend has gotten into deposit accounts and HELOCs and other things. We've got to be focused on this. And if we're a technology partner, we've got to be focused on partnering. Customers are going to want the one-stop shop. It, it's true. So that was one theme. Another one is now is the time to make the technology investments before you're too far behind. We've been saying that forever. So you've got to make sure that you're making the right technology investment, though. You can't just make any. And I think we've also learned that. Technology doesn't have a racial bias. We know that. Now, some people are saying that AI and facial recognition does, but technology in general doesn't. But we know we can't be all tech. We need human interaction. AI does help lenders meet higher demands. And then also, this was big, Bob Walters, president and COO of Quicken Loans, he was the keynote or the opening speaker Um, He had a lot to say, but basically he said that they are looking to leverage Amazon for Quicken's advancement and growth. And he's made a couple key points. He said that instead of a 30-day process, it should be a five-day process, maybe even a 24-hour process. That's where technology will take us. There is no reason it can't be done in 24 hours. So, right, again, like I've said a couple of times, these are things we've all heard before, right? Remember mortgage in a box that we've all heard like that? Yep, but that's true. We are going to get there. Yeah, I don't know what, what time frame. We've got a lot of obstacles still to overcome. I saw an article today, David, something about how the COVID created the rise in, in remote online notarization and digital closings, but there's still a lot of hurdles to overcome to really make it a full reality. E-notes are still not a thing yet. They're not enough of a thing, even though Fannie will tell you that they're, they're buying more and more E-notes, but they're only buying them from a select number of, of sellers. Uh, also, David, I wanted to end on this. The financial brand, we talked about them a little bit last week, but this is so important. Remember last week, I talked a little bit about low tech and being human in the conversation and being part of the transaction. I just talked about that a moment ago. Financial brand did another survey. They found that Gen Z says they're eager to use big techs for banking, but will they? And it says nine out of 10, so 90% of Gen Z respondents would consider obtaining a bank account from a non-bank company more than half, 53% of consumers overall would also do. So when you look at the Gen Z population alone, separate than all consumers, 90% of them don't care if it's a financial institution or not. That means that everything that we do today is about experience, relationship, trust, brand. There's a lot to it. All the things that we focus on, right? Two points that I'll leave you with. They say people are complicated. And because of that, you can't put people in boxes. So they're going to need analysis and they're going to need a human touch. And second is financial institutions to take a balanced approach in digital transformation. So keep that in mind. Of course, we're highly focused on CRMs, on the point of sale, on the back end, even loan officers, right? Your loan officers are still your clients. They're your customers. And they have to also be treated with the same respect and the same kind of tools and, uh, and such. So anyways, that's it for today, David. Back to you. Good job. Thank you so much. A lot of information there. I was thinking about you as I downloaded iOS 14 and now has a dot on there that pops up. I like this. My wife says, why is there an orange dot 
that's on my phone. Then every time I get a phone call, it says because it's using your audio device. And so I said it's supposed to turn green when an app is using your video. That way you can see if people are buying on you or using your camera or using your microphone to listen to you. So it's really a new device. Check check it out. I downloaded that and it works. So we did a FaceTime. Yeah, the, the biggest thing, I don't know for anyone in iOS 13, if you didn't use shortcuts, but you can now use shortcuts in iOS 14. They're now they can be on the main screen. Once you learn how to create a shortcut and your app uses them, it's like putting artificial intelligence into your phone and you, you can't live without them. Uh, and that will tie into our mortgage industry as well. I can almost guarantee yeah. it. So yeah, I, iOS 14, take a look at shortcuts. Yeah, I mean, that was, that's a major release. I love this. I love 14. Andy Shell's always saying, Dave, you go too quickly to these new things. We don't know what's not working, not what's broken on it. Yep. So anyway, thank you so much, Alan. Appreciate it very much. And let's get over to the Dr. Andy Shell, the Prophet Doctor. Andy, good to have you here. So I got two quick topics. Yep. I know we're running late for the live version. First off, in two weeks, my five-week mortgage accounting webinar starts again. Woo-hoo. Last session, we had 400 attendees on the webinar. Lots of interest in this topic. People want to learn about accounting because you got to know your bottom line. So if you want to sign up for the webinar, go to the mba.org forward slash education, search for accounting. You'll find five webinars over a six-week period. If you are a member of the Mortgage Bankers Association, you know how much it costs? It's free. Absolutely free. No reason to not know mortgage accounting. I don't see how a business owner can survive today without knowing mortgage accounting. And I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit with Michael. So for today, Here's the thing on my mind. So over the weekend, I happened to look through a couple of my favorite books. My my two favorite books are Slouching Toward Gomorrah by Robert Bork, where he exposes egalitarianism, and Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds. It's hard sometimes. The Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds by Charles McKay. Great book. It identifies a lot of really interesting times in history when there has been unwarranted value assigned to an eye. Like, for example, during the crash, during 2007, who in the world would think that a subprime loan with a 60% DTI, 580 FICO, 98% LTV would be worth 106? You know, it's just, you look back on that and you go, we were delusional. And that's what McKay talks about, this extraordinary popular delusions. That was one of them. Yeah, so when this happens, what we have is we have market value diverges from intrinsic value. Everything, particularly that generates cash flow, has intrinsic value. And when the market value is different, that becomes what we call an asymmetric value change. One changes differently or faster than the other. Even one can go up and one can go down. We saw that this March when MSR values fell to zero, but we know there's future cash flow. So there we had a market value that was different than the intrinsic value because the intrinsic value of the MSR was based on future cash flows and probably was 70 basis points, but the market said it was worth 10. So my point here is how does this sort of event apply today or soon? And here's what I'm going to predict. We'll see if you agree with me, Dave. I'm going to predict that we're going to see this asymmetric change in intrinsic value and market value very soon. And it's going to happen in 2021 when the refinance volume starts to drop. Marina talked about the MBA's prediction about the 60% drop in refi volume in 2021. When that happens, look what's going to happen. I'm going to predict that IMBs are going to chase volume 
and spend all their 2020 profits to attract new branches. So I'm going to call this branch wars. And this branch war is where the intrinsic value of the branch is ignored and the market value becomes the delusion where people are willing to pay crazy money to get a branch. We saw this in 2018 during margin compression. So in 2020, 21, I think we're going to see it again. So I think it's an ill-advised strategy, frankly. And if a branch is going to join you because you're going to pay them a bonus, what's going to happen when the bonus goes away and they're going to demand more payments? And how are you going to be able to pay when there's margin compression and you're not making as much money? So like you said, Dave, quoting Alice, it's better to grow your own. It's dangerous to steal from other people's gardens because you're going to end up with all the weeds. So I'm predicting this branch wars to come soon to a theater near you in 2021 as craziness happens and people chase volume. It happened before, it'll happen again. I agree. History repeats itself in this industry and sometimes stupid history repeats itself. In fact, we do not learn. We just cannot learn. And we're intelligent. The mortgage lending industry is filled with really bright people, but why do we keep repeating the stupid parts of history? I don't know. Humans over throughout history, all the way back to some of the examples of extraordinary popular delusions. Go back to the 15th century in Holland when they were assigning value to tulips. It was called the tulip bubble. So it it happens, people are drawn to this and they get excited by it and they pay more. But anyway, IMBs are really bad at it. Hopefully, they'll listen to people like you and me and Michael Jones, a CPA. CPAs rarely make these kind of mistakes, but it's good to listen. Yeah. As if the CPAs, CFOs aren't always the most heard people. So anyway, you and I got to get to barbecue. Always love sitting and talking with you. We say we're going to have an agenda, but then we get together, everyone, and we just, we have these kind of esoteric kind of conversations, and it's all over the map. It's so much fun. Good job. Andy Shell. good to have you here as always. Check him out. And everyone, come on, encourage him on. You send him an email, send him a text and say, Andy, when are you launching your podcast? You there, 400 listeners, and a repeated. He's done this webinar how many times at the NBA? And now 400 people show up. Then it'll probably be 800. Now who knows? So time to launch that podcast. You've got a lot of wisdom to share. We need it. Appreciate you very much. Next week, our guest will be Brent Emler of Velma. Brent's has got so many ideas on how to market, where to go with things. And he's got a, some new things he's going to be talking about, some trends that he sees going on. Very excited to have Brent Emler of Velma coming on next week. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, CMLA. Top of the list with Michael being our guest today, as well as Finastra, as well as Indicom, Accelerate, Ainsworth Advisors, Mobility RE, and Modex, and a host of others. Check them all out on Look at Unletting website. Under sponsors, they offer some great services. We appreciate their sponsorship to make this podcast possible. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week and look forward to having you back next week. <laughs> You've been listening to Lickin on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.